Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I thank you for listening today. The drug of the day today is going to be Vibigron. Brand name is Gemtessa. And this medication is a medication used for overactive bladder. It's relatively new, probably out in the last oh, two to four years here. Uh, dosing of this medication for overactive bladder, 75 milligrams once a day. So pretty straightforward, uh, no titration, uh, which is can be an advantage or a disadvantage. Um, no titration, no going to higher dose, but it's very simple if you're prescribing this medication uh, to use in that respect. So mechanistically, how does this drug work? How does it help overactive bladder? So it is a selective beta-3 agonist. And if you remember previously, uh, I have talked about Mirabegron. Uh, so that'd be a good one to, to go back and review if you're you know, on your urology unit in your pharmacology classes. You might want to go uh, find that podcast as well at the reallifepharmacology.com website. And mechanistically, this drug works like Mirabegron. It uh, relaxes detrusor smooth muscle, which allows for greater urine storage in the bladder. Ultimately, that greater storage helps alleviate some of the signs and symptoms of overactive bladder, having to go to the bathroom all the time there. So Vibigron is very selective, so that, so that is great. So if you remember some of our other beta agonist pharmacology, so beta 2 agonist, that's going to be on the lungs, it's going to help with breathing, that type of thing. Um, beta 1 activates the heart if we stimulate or if we uh, have an agonist at beta-1 receptors that's going to increase um, heart rate and uh, potentially blood pressure as well so vibigron uh, with that selectivity hopefully only at beta-3 uh, with its dosing um, hopefully we're not causing any of those other um, effects on beta-1 and beta-2 receptors particularly beta-1 uh, and the cardiovascular issues there uh, I will talk a little bit about that and uh, compare and contrast the adverse drug reactions coming up here um, with Mirabegron and uh, where and why this might be a little bit more um, advantageous in uh, certain situations. Uh, with that, that dosing, um, what are a couple situations you might want to avoid using this medication? So um, package insert recommendations, EGFR less than 15 mils per minute. Uh, it's not recommended to use this medication. Uh, severe hepatic impairment as well. And primary reason from what I could tell by the literature, it just really hasn't been studied in those patient populations uh, to really know uh, what, what to do with that. Uh, administration, uh, with or without food, pretty straightforward. Again, once a day, one dose, uh, give it with a glass of water. Uh, in patients, uh, which 
Overactive bladder tends to be an issue that happens as people age. Um, so we do sometimes end up in situations where um, as those patients age, there may be swallowing difficulties or things of that nature. Uh, so this medication may be uh, crushed and uh, mixed in with applesauce. Uh, as it, somebody who works in the field of, of geriatrics, it's always nice to know that, uh, that they're going to actually get the medication and it's still going to be uh, effective and they're going to get um, adequate drug concentrations um, so we can make sure that we're assessing if that drug is, is working or not. Uh, adverse drug reactions, uh, really the percentages are, are pretty low. Um, as far as uh, some of the adverse drug reactions that were reported. So uh, we're talking less than, you know, 5 or 10% pretty much for all um, adverse drug reactions. So with that said, um, any medication in my mind that's going to kind of help with overactive bladder symptoms, um, we do run the risk of uh, when we hold that urine back, uh, we can exacerbate urinary retention issues. So anyone that's got any type of kind of outlet obstruction and in practice, probably the most common situation you're going to see is in males with BPH. Um, so it could worsen uh, urinary retention. So that's definitely something uh, to, to pay attention to there. Uh, dry mouth, GI upset, headache, all, all pretty rare or pretty uh, low percentages reported there. Uh, rare skin reactions had been been reported, and interestingly, uh, there's really no issues reported in the literature, or at least minimal issues reported um, with cardiovascular concerns. So, like raising blood pressure again, that's that activation that we worry about on beta one receptors, um, increasing heart rate, increasing blood pressure, that type of thing. Um, Mira Begron, I, I went and double checked, definitely has a higher risk of causing that. So if you've got a patient that's got, you know, variable blood pressures or very, you know, higher end blood pressures, that type of thing, um, maybe urinary anticholinergics, you know, like oxybutynin or, you know, tolteridine, maybe we can't use them for whatever reason, adverse effects. Um, Mira Begron is probably more likely to worsen some of those um, hypertension situations versus uh, Vibegron, which uh, definitely, at least from the literature, has a, a lower risk uh, for causing that. And I believe that's primarily due to um, less interaction with the uh, beta-1 receptor and a little bit more selectivity than Mirabegron for that um, beta-3 receptor. Uh, but again, it, it is something, even though it's not reported in the literature, uh, you know, wacky things can happen with patients. You can have genetic variations or, you know, metabolism issues, or maybe you got somebody with, uh, you know, poor renal function, and maybe that drug accumulates a little bit more in that patient for whatever reason. So uh, I definitely still have it on my radar that if uh, Vibogron concentrations probably got higher, it would probably lose some of that selectivity. Um, so you know, keeping tabs on, on that blood pressure uh, and potentially pulse, it's definitely something that's in the back of my mind anyway, just knowing and understanding uh, that, that mechanism, even if it's not reported really too much in the literature, which is great, certainly. So uh, kind of continuing on that theme here, quick comparing, contrasting 
uh, Mirabegron versus Vibegron. Uh, so advantage uh, is that once daily dosing and really the starting dose is the therapeutic dose or the dose that was studied um, in the literature there. So that, that can be a nice and easy thing. Um, with that said, that may be a disadvantage as well where you, you maybe want to titrate the dose, but you know we really don't have any literature to support that versus uh, Mirabegron, which has uh, a couple of, of different doses there. And then other big thing I see looking at uh, adverse effect profile is Vibiron typically is probably going to cause a little bit less, at least according to the literature, of those cardiovascular adverse effects. So uh, definitely a, a nice thing there. Uh, some other pharmacokinetic uh, parameters here I wanted to mention. So half-life, 31 hours. So uh, that's kind of a no-brainer why it lends to once daily dosing. We've got a plenty long half-life there. Uh, excretion, elimination, let's talk a little bit about that. So it is over 50% uh, in the feces that it's eliminated. So um, we don't need to worry about kidney function quite as much when you've got that high of a percentage in the feces. Uh, 20% approximately is urine. Uh, and there is a, a minor CYP3A4 component as well uh, where this drug is, is broken down there. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material, definitely go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Got a great list of resources from Naplex, Ambulatory Care, BCPS, Geriatrics, BCMTMS. Again, all those links, uh, you can find meded101.com slash store. I'll also put the link uh, in the show notes page as well there. And if you're another healthcare professional, nurse, physician, med student, PA student, nurse practitioner student, uh, recently released the Flippin' Pharmacology flashcards. Uh, go check those out on Amazon. Great resource, getting some nice ratings, some nice feedback from folks on them. Um, so yeah, really nice uh, resource that you can have kind of throughout your career or just to brush up on some things. And I really focused on most important things that you see in clinical practice and the most important things that you're likely uh, to see on pharmacology and board exams throughout your career. So that was really my goal uh, in creating those flashcards. So again, flipping pharmacology flashcards, uh, you can go check those out on Amazon. All right, last but not least, drug interactions. So I mentioned uh, CYP3A4 as a minor pathway. Uh, given the amount that's gone in the urine, the amount that's gone in the feces, um, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't worry about CYP interactions with Vibrogron, so that is definitely a nice thing for sure there. Really, from an interaction standpoint, the biggest thing that, I would worry about is probably that urinary retention. So having additive effects on urinary retention. So I think of drugs with alpha agonist activity. So pseudoephedrine is a great example. And then of course, any anticholinergic medication is going to cause or potentially contribute to urinary retention. So uh, think of older antihistamines, hydroxazine, diphenhydramine, Think of uh, tricyclic antidepressants. They're highly anticholinergics. So your uh, amitriptyline, your nortriptyline, 
and then obviously some of your urology medications, so oxybutynin, uh, tolteridine, those are generally uh, considered pretty highly anticholinergic and could certainly worsen that urinary retention risk. All right. Well, I think that wraps up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, found it helpful, uh, please do me a huge favor. Leave a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Uh, That helps us grow the podcast. Of course, share us. Friends, colleagues, uh, students that are going through pharmacology classes, uh, don't hesitate to uh, uh, let them know about the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. I certainly greatly appreciate that. Uh, It helps me in my goal of educating as many people as possible about pharmacology. Uh, And of course, if you want to track me down, uh, you have suggestions, uh, you can do that. Eric Christensen, uh, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP on LinkedIn, or uh, email mededucation101 at gmail.com. I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.